Amen. Praise God. Amen to God. Yeah, come on, let's give God a praise offering this morning. God is so worthy to be praised. Amen. I really do want to thank God also for the worship team. Amazing, amazing job. It's, it's so important that, that music and praise go before the Word of God. It, it sets up the Spirit of God to move in our lives. And I absolutely love the, the song that you sang, that, that I'm surrounded by you. That is, that is it's, it's, it's a refreshment to my heart because many times in life we feel like we're alone. We feel like the struggles of life overwhelm us to the point that we can't go any further. But the knowledge that we're surrounded by God, like the prophet when they were on the hill and his servant was like, oh my God, look at all of those soldiers down there. And the prophet was just so cool. He's like, bro, come on, man. Are you kidding me? And he's like, no, no, we got to go. We got to get out of here. We're surrounded. And he says, no, there are more with us than are with them. He's like, oh, you've lost your mind. And he prayed and he said, God, open my servant's eyes that he could see. And when God opened the servant's eyes, the skies were filled with fiery chariots and with angels just ready to protect. That's what's happening in your life. The devil is a liar. We know that. The devil is a deceiver. And he wants us to think somehow that God has abandoned us in our time of trouble. But that is the time where God is working most in our lives. That is the time where God is doing the most in our lives. It's easy to, 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 to have good times. It's easy to, to live the good times. It's, and even in the good times, sometimes we forget God. But in those difficult times when we cry out to God, we need to remember always that we're surrounded by God. That's how we fight our battles. That's how we survive what's going. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. I bless God again. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I absolutely love Pastor Brian. Uh, he's an amazing man of God. I know I said that before, but I sincerely mean that with all of my heart. You guys are so blessed to have a teacher like Pastor Holland. And, and so again, thank you for allowing me to come and stand in his stead today. I pray that I, I won't embarrass him or, or, or bring shame on the gospel today. But, but, but I have a word of God. I have a word for, uh, from the Lord for you today, and I believe that it, it is, it is a, a right now word, a, time, a word that is, is going to minister to your heart. So let's take a moment and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us today. Oh, merciful Father, we are humbled in your holy presence. As we bow our heads and present ourselves before you today, the first thing we want to do, Lord, is to give you praise and glory, to lift up our voices to say thank you for the gift of salvation that you have given us through your Son, Christ Jesus. Lord, we were lost and without hope. But you quickened us and you made us alive who were once dead. And so we give you praise. We thank you today, Lord, that we can gather as a body of believers to share the word of God and that your word will minister to our hearts on every level. Lord, regardless of our age, regardless of our position, Lord, regardless of our status, we humble ourselves and we offer unto you praise and glory. Now, Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. You are the instructor. So I ask that not that you would remove me, 
but that you would use this vessel of clay for your glory and for your honor. I yield now my vessel to you, Spirit of God. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to use as a, as a foundational scripture uh, in the book of 1 Peter, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. I want to use that as a foundational uh, uh, scripture, but I'm actually going to talk about a little bit about the life of Joseph. We know Joseph. We, we know what he went through. Uh, we, from the time we started church, we've heard about Joseph and, and how he was treated and how ultimately he becomes second in command in, in Egypt. But, but I, I want to cover three important points. Joseph's life is so poignant, and it, it, is, a, it is an example of what we go through even in our, in our lives today. But I want to use as a foundational scripture, uh, 1 Peter, um, yeah, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. If you're there, say amen. amen. So I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and these words are recorded. It says, but you are a chosen race or a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, when we read these words, many times, those of us who study, we read the words, and when he says, you are a chosen people, we automatically, for some reason, we think about the Jews. Well, the Jews are God's chosen people. But I want to say to you that the promises that were made to Abraham, when God speaks about the chosen people, the promises that were made to Abraham are promises that ultimately belong to those who believe. So when we think about being a chosen people, certainly God used the Hebrews to draw men to himself. But the purpose of using them was that those who believe in God would be drawn to God. So when it says you are a chosen people, God is speaking of you, not just the Jews. It's not a matter of genealogy. It's a matter of faith. Does that make sense to you? So, it, 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 and proof of this is in the Word of God. In Galatians chapter 3, you don't have to turn it, just please hear me. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 8, it says, Abraham believed. Somebody say believed. believed. Abraham believed is what the Word of God, and it was credited him as what? Righteousness. Simply because he believed God, he was considered righteous. He wasn't a perfect man. We know that. He gave his wife away twice to some other guy. Come on, man. I mean, <laughs> ladies, come on. If your husband said, hey, sweetie, I want you to go hang out with this guy and act like you're not my wife, you'd thump him on the top of his head. But Abraham, we, we realize that God never uses perfect vessels because none of us are. But it says it was counted to Abraham as righteousness. Then the scripture goes on to say, understand then that those who have faith are the sons of Abraham. Galatians uh, 3 tells us that if you be in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heir according to promise. So we see very clearly the idea of being chosen is not specific for the Jew, although we know the Bible speaks about that, but it was, it was designed for those of us who would come after who actually believe. 
So as a, as, a, as a result of your faith in God, God says you are a seed of Abraham, and every promise that I made to Abraham now belongs to you. So we can rejoice in the knowledge that we are a chosen people. God chose you. He, he told the prophet, he said, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you. One of my favorite scriptures. What does that say to me? I had a relationship with God before my mother and father started being mother and father. Before they were mother and father. God knew me. God had relationship with me. We are not some afterthought of God. Before there was a heaven, before there was an earth, God was in relationship with you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. And then I love this. this says, it says here that for we are a people for his own possession. What a joy to know that God wants to possess us. As broken as we are, as filthy as we are, the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. Yet and still, God loved us so much that he was compelled to send his only son to be a sacrifice for us. So I want to take a moment here and develop just a couple points for you. And I want to use Joseph's life as a template. It says we are a chosen people. It means that God has purpose for you. You are designed with purpose. It doesn't make a difference how your life is going right now or what you think about your life now. From the moment God decided to bring you into this world, you were chosen. God chose you as a possession for himself. And not only did he choose you as a possession, but he determined that you would be royal. You are not average people. You are people of royalty. I, I think about uh, the, the, the prince of uh, England. What's his name? Not Charles. The, the young guy who, who left the, the... Yes. He and his wife decided, well, well, you know, we love each other and you guys don't like us, so we're just going to do our own thing. But here's the thing. It doesn't make a difference how far away they move away from the monarchy. He's still a prince. It doesn't make a difference whether he accepts his role. He is still a prince. You are still royal, regardless of what happens in your life. You are still a royal priesthood to God, and you are still God's special possession. It's so important for us to understand that as we continue to navigate our way through this thing called life. It's so difficult. And there's so many ups and downs and hills and valleys. Sometimes it drives you crazy. And you say to God, why is this mess happening to me? Well, there's a reason why things are happening to you. Because you are chosen by God. And we live in an environment, especially nowadays, that hates God. We live in an environment where to, to be a Christian is to be odd. We live in an environment to, where, where, where righteousness and, and justice are seen as odd to the world today. So, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a, a possession of 
God. Now, I said, I just wanted to lay that foundation out for you because I want to think about, talk about the word chosen. God has chosen you. We know the scripture says many are called and few are chosen. But the life of Joseph really is an example to us of the cost of being chosen. There's a cost for God to choose you. I know as human beings, we say, well, God, if you chose me, my life should be perfect. You're God. You're perfect. You chose me. Make my life perfect. Make my children smart. Make my husband a good husband who does everything for me and cares for me. Make my wife a good wife. Why am I struggling? You're struggling because you're chosen. You're struggling because there's, a, there's an issue with God's choice of you. And David's, I mean, I'm sorry, Joseph's life is an example of us, for us. I, I, want, to, I want to examine three points that we find in Joseph's life. We know that Joseph had two dreams in his life, right? We, we know that his brothers in the dream were going to bow down to him, and, 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 and we know that was a problem right? Joseph's dream said that ultimately I'm going to rule over you guys, my siblings and my parents. That was not acceptable in those times. You're young. He was the, at that time, he was the youngest of 11 boys. But the story of Joseph is much more important than that. Why? Because we can draw many, many, many practical and encouraging life ideas from the life of Joseph. Let me start right here. I'm just going to develop three points, and then we're going to be done. Now, remember, I said you are a chosen people. In Joseph's life, God chose him. We know that. We agree with that? God chose Joseph. God gave him the ability to discern dreams. God showed him things that many people found uncomfortable. First point I want to make to you about being chosen you say, well, why is my life so screwed up? I love God. I, I, I want to serve God. Why are these things happening to me? How am I, why am I struggling financially? Why am I struggling in my health? Why am I struggling in my marriage? Why aren't my children respecting me? Why isn't my boss giving me a promotion? Why am I having these problems? Well, here's the reason why. In Jeremiah, if you have a, we guys know it, Jeremiah 29. We all know that. Every preacher is preached that smarter people than me. Jeremiah 29, 10 and 11 says this. For this is what the Lord says. When Babylon's 70 years are complete, I will attend to you and confirm my promise to restore you to this place. For I know, the, and this is the one that we are, I know the plans I have for you. How many of us know that scripture? Raise your hand. Sure you do. Your children know it. Your grandchildren know it. We say it all the time. But here's the problem. Here's the issue that we suffer with. God's plans for you or God's dreams for you will make other people uncomfortable. Why do people hate me? Because God has plans for you. Why am I struggling so much in my life? Because of God's plans. God's dreams for you or God's plans for you will make other people uncomfortable. If you look at the life of Joseph, he wasn't a bad guy. He loved his brothers. But because God had plans for him, it made his brothers uncomfortable. 
And we need to understand when we stand for the things of God, when we stand for righteousness, when we stand for holiness, it will make other people uncomfortable. The church has got to come to a position where we stop kowtowing to the world and we start saying, I stand for the righteousness of God. I live for the righteousness of God. I'm mad as hell and I ain't going to take it no more. Why? Because I'm chosen by God. My responsibility is to proclaim the life-giving truth of the gospel. But it's important that you understand, because you are chosen by God, because you are gifted, and everyone in this room is gifted by God. The Bible says that Jesus ascended and he did what? He gave gifts to men. Sometimes we look at our lives and we think, oh, I'm just an average guy. I'm just an average girl. I don't really have anything special. I'm not the pastor. I'm not an elder. I'm not this. But you are God's prized possession. And because you are God's prized possession, it means you have value. It means you have worth. It means that you have purpose. Now, what we have to do is we have to seek God for that purpose. We have to cry out to God, show me my, and listen, let me say this to you. I don't care if you're 30 years old or 330 years old, and I don't think there's anybody 330 in here, is it? Not yet? But understand this, it doesn't make a difference. God is not interested in age. If you are here today, if you're alive, if you're sucking in oxygen that God gives you, if you have any ability to ambulate or to think, you have purpose. Sometimes we think, well, I'm 50 years old, or I'm, I'm 70 years old, or I've retired. God has you here because he's not done with you. He has you here because you have something left to do. He has you here because you have purpose, because God chose you. If God did not have purpose for you, you would not be here. But you are chosen of God. You are a royal priesthood. Now, now, this prince, I bet he doesn't walk around like, oh, man, I'm broken, I'm poor. Well, he's probably not broke, but I no longer have a castle. You know, I don't get to ride any carriage. Uh, he's walking around, I'm Prince Harry. Everybody knows me. I have a beautiful wife. I don't need a crown. I don't need a castle. Why? Because I was born to this. You were born to this. You were born to be above and not beneath. You were born to be blessed going in and going out. God made you the head and not the tail. So, but you must understand, because you are chosen by God, God's vision for you or God's plans for you will make other people uncomfortable. Amen. And sometimes we, we cower back or we, we, we hold back because we don't want to make other people uncomfortable. It's not my fault you're uncomfortable about me being blessed. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. You kidding me? That's right. Haters got to hate, though. God has plans for us that we don't understand. Here's the other thing. Many times, God has plans for us that we don't want. 
No, God, I don't want to do that. God has plans for us. He says, I know the plans I have for you. So God, and listen, not just one plan, many plans. As we grow in our faith, as we grow in our relationship, we understand that we go from level to level to level to level, and each level brings another challenge for our lives. But there are God's plans, and at each level, you will find people who are uncomfortable with who you are. There are people who are uncomfortable because you're powerful. There are people who are uncomfortable because you're smart. There are people uncomfortable because you're blessed. There are people uncomfortable because you walk upright before God. There are people uncomfortable because you know who and whose you are. But it is not my responsibility to make you comfortable with me. It's your responsibility to recognize that I'm blessed by God. I I, I told my children, three beautiful children, I told them, they're all adults, as, as we were raising them, you know, sometimes teenagers get upset, oh, they don't like me, and I don't have any friends. And nobody at school wants to sit with me at lunch. And I told my kids, here's the thing that I want you to understand. Be excited when people walk away from you. They're like, what are you talking about? Because they're too dumb to know how blessed you are. And if they're too dumb to know how blessed you are, if they're too dumb to recognize that being friends with you is going to bless their life, you don't want them in your life anyhow. They're a deterrent to what God wants to do. But we have to know and have to understand, because you are chosen by God, God's choosing you will make other people uncomfortable. It made uh, Joseph's brothers uncomfortable. They didn't like the fact that God had given him dreams. They didn't like the fact that his father had given favor to him. They hated him for that. People will hate you because you're blessed. But that's okay. You are still God's precious possession. Again, our calling by God sometimes and most times will produce negative reactions from other people. It really will. David, uh, Joseph, I keep saying David because David's like one of my favorite characters in the Bible. His brothers hate him. But here's the bottom line on this particular point. And I need you to hear this clearly so there's no mistake. God's plans for you will make other people just uncomfortable. But you almost also must understand this. You can't help what God has in store for you. Did you catch that? You can't help it. The word of God says that my word will go out and it will what? Not come back void to me. What God has planned for you is going to happen in your life. You can't help what God has. If God has called you to the mission field, ultimately you're going to go. If God has called you to pastor, you're going to pastor. If God has called you to the youth ministry, you're going to do youth ministry. Why? Because God has chosen you. And you can't help what God has planned for you. I know my plans for you. And they're for good and not for evil. To give you a hope to give you a future. But know this, the fact that you belong to God, the fact that you are chosen by God, 
makes other people uncomfortable. Now, you know that Joseph's brother, uh, Joseph's dad gave him a coat of many colors. Yeah, and, and that just really infuriated his brothers. A coat of many colors. God has given you a coat of many colors. Why do you think they, how do you think they know who you are? Because you have a coat of many colors. You really do. It's, it's a metaphorical coat. It, it, it is a spiritual coat. And we, re, we, we just read about it. The first color is your chosen. That's the first color. The second color is that you're a royal priesthood. Now, I'm talking spiritually. And the third color is that you are God's prized possession. Now, think about that. If you're wrapped in that, chosen by God, royal to God, a peculiar and special people to God. That is a coat of many colors that wraps around you, and it is obvious to those who have spiritual eyesight. The Bible says, try the spirit by the spirit to see if it's for God. You're a spiritual being, and other spirits recognize you when you walk into the room. They see that coat of many colors, and they are jealous. But that's not your problem, that's theirs. Again, it makes people uncomfortable to know that you belong to God. But you need to embrace that. You need to love that. You need to hold tightly to that. Why? Because it's from God. You didn't make yourself that. God designed you that way. He intended for that to be for you. Being chosen by God will bring hard times to your life. Let's be realistic about it. The scripture says, in this life, you will have tribulations. Not might have, you will have. But the trials and the tribulations of your life, they have a purpose. Everything in your life has purpose. And the purpose is to strengthen you. I, I think about it like this. How many of you have ever said, this is the worst time of my life? Oh, my God, how am I going to get through this? This is the... How many times have you ever said that? If you ever said it more than once, I thought that was the worst time. How can this be the worst one? How, worst time of my life. It's not. That time of your life and the struggle that you're going through, you know what it's designed for? to prepare you for the next tough time because it becomes a testament to the power of God. If you made it through that last tough time, which was the worst time of your life, now think about it. If something is the worst in your life, that means everything else has got to be better. So this worst time that you're going through has got to be better than the last worst time you went through because you already went through the worst time. I'm kind of talking in circles, huh? But what I'm trying to get you to understand is that every worst time that you have in your life is preparing you for the next worst time. And what is it preparing you for? How does it prepare you? Because it teaches you, if God got me out of this, which was the worst thing that I felt like I'd ever been through, I didn't think I could make it till morning, but God got me out of it. And now I'm in this worst time, well, I have experience from the last worst time to teach me that this can't be the worst time. 
Why? Because God is bigger than my worst times. God is stronger than my worst times. How do I know? Because he's gotten me out of previous worst times. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Somebody should have said amen on that. You guys must have all good times. You know, there was a TV show about you guys called Good Times. But seriously, being called by God, you think, oh, I want to be called by God. Do you? Do you really? And if you do, you need to understand how uncomfortable it will make people and how you will have hard times. But in those hard times, it's paramount that we always look for God to show up. When you are in your difficult times, you need to start now looking for where is God as opposed to looking at the circumstance. And that's what we do as humans. We can't help it. Our eyes are focused on the circumstances. You know that old adage, can't see the forest for the trees? Sometimes we can't see God because we're so busy looking at the condition that we're in. But in the story of Joseph, we have to see that it's important not to focus on what's happening to us, but to focus on what is God doing in this situation. And I'm, I'm saying that like it's easy. I'm saying that like, oh, you just, okay, God, where are you? I'm just going to sit here and wait for you. No, it's hard because we have to keep living. But in those difficult times, we need to design our hearts to look for what God is doing. Let me search in this difficulty. Let me search and see where God is. Because I'm special to him, because I'm his possession, because I'm royal, because I've been chosen, I know that God is there. But it must be my intentional purpose to seek him out. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 14, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 14, it says this. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. And you guys know this. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain to the land. Why did I use that scripture? Remember the widow. She was gathering sticks, and she had a little flour and a little oil, and she was making preparations to make some food for her and her son, so they could die. You ever been in a situation you feel like, I could just die. I'm done. It's over. But what she didn't know is that God was sending relief. The prophet was coming. She didn't understand that. She did not realize that though she thought her life was over, though she thought she was about to gather her last few sticks, make a fire, cook her last meal so she and her son could die, she did not realize that God was right there with her in the person of the prophet. Trust me, my brothers and sisters, God will not fail you, and he will never leave you. We say that, we sing that, but do we really believe it in the difficult times? When there is a calling on your life, God is not in the business of allowing you to fall. 
please hear me. Because you are chosen by God, because you are royal, because you are a special possession of God, he is not in the business of allowing you to fall. He who is able to keep your foot from slipping, that is our God. Now, am I saying to you that it's going to be easy? No, I want to reiterate that. Life is hard, but God is faithful. And when we are faithful to God, the Bible says we are heirs with Christ to all that is eternal. You're going to have difficult times. Why? Because you're chosen by God. You're going to have difficult... We say, well, wait a minute, Dr. Cruz. Sinners have difficult times too. They're supposed to. Because they're sinners. That's what happens to sinners. Difficult times. But the difference, you're chosen. And because you are chosen, God will rescue you. You will not fall. You shall live and not die. That is the word of God. I will raise you up. I will lift you up out of the bowels of your struggle and I will present you to myself a royal priesthood a people who will honor me, an army that I will build who will glorify me. That's you. And your age and your social position has nothing to do. Before you were conceived in your mother's womb, God ordained you. Before you were conceived, before you were born, God appointed you to be chosen. Jude chapter 1, verse 24 says this. Jude chapter 1, verse 24 says this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you unblemished in his glorious presence with great joy. That's you. Sometimes you feel like you're falling down, but you will not fall headlong. The hand of God is always there to gather you in. The power of God is there. I'm surrounded, the song says. You're surrounded. Why are you upset? Why are you weeping? Why are you downcast? You are royalty. You're a priesthood. You guys know about the Levites, right? God said the Levites would not get an inheritance in the land. God said, I don't want you working. I don't want you fighting for land. I will be your inheritance. Oh, my God. God is your inheritance. Don't wait for your dad to die. He's going to live a long time. So you're not gonna, and they're spending your inheritance now, so. She might as well earn your own. But you are God's inheritance. So God is going to provide for you. He's going to keep you. You're still going to have to struggle. Why? Because faith is necessary in our religion. Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But this is the beauty of the God that we serve. Do you realize that he gave you exactly what you needed to trust him? Before you, when you were born, God placed in you 
everything you needed to trust him. The scripture says, to every man God has given what? The measure of faith. You don't have to go looking for faith. You don't have to try to build faith. And this is the, another point I want to make quickly, and then I'm going to rush to my close. You don't have to have great faith. I get so sick of Christians saying, I need to have great faith. Show me anybody in the Bible that had great faith. Sure, there are many, many examples of faith, but there's no place in the Bible that says you have to have great faith. I've never read it. I've never read anywhere in the Bible where it says you need great faith. It says if you have the faith the size of what? Mustard seed. Oh, my goodness. The mustard seed was placed in you in the beginning. God gave you everything you needed for him to trust you. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God placed the ability to please him in you. Why? Because you were chosen. Why? Because you're a royal priesthood. Why? Because you're God's prized possession. As you struggle with being chosen, when we look at Joseph's life, we see that he struggled because he was chosen. His brothers hated him. His parents were concerned about his dreams, although they held it close to their hearts. He endured difficulties, being cast into a pit, being sold uh, down into Egypt to Potiphar, Potiphar's wife trying to seduce him, Joseph. You're a cutie pie. You're a little hottie. The one thing, the second thing that we see in Joseph's life, first of all, we see that because he was chosen by God, it made other people just uncomfortable. The second lesson we learn from Joseph's life is this. You must always be a person of character, integrity, and obedience. As the chosen of God, you must always put the integrity of who you are first. And we must always be obedient to God. Obedience beats a lie anytime. Obedience beats a lie any time. So Joseph was a, as an example to us that when you're chosen, people are going to dislike you. But he is also an example to us that we're going to have hard times because we are chosen. Don't be afraid of the hard times. But he's also an example to us that in those difficult times, we must maintain our integrity. We must continue to be obedient to God. One of the most powerful principles from Joseph's life is his integrity. We see in Genesis chapter 39, verses 9 through 10, it talks about um, Potiphar's wife. She was trying to seduce Joseph. Every time she lived, remember, he lived in this house. So he had to see her often. It wasn't like he saw her on the weekend or something. He saw her every day, and every day she was at him, Joseph, come rub my feet. Joseph, run me a bath. 
Joseph, rub my shoulders, Joseph. But Joseph refused. He says, Joseph says this, how, he says this to Potiphar's wife, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? I love that. David wrote this when David was repenting to God about Bathsheba. He said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Do you understand that every time we sin, like Joseph, if he had lay with Potiphar's wife, his sin was not against Potiphar. His sin was not against his family. His sin would not have been against Potiphar's wife. His sin would have been against God. Every time we disobey God, we sin not against the individual, not against the circle. We sin against God. Joseph, he says this to Potiphar's wife. She says, come, lay with me. Nobody will know. It'll be our secret. Don't worry about it. I won't tell if you don't tell. But Joseph says this, how then could I do such a wicked thing? First he says, your husband has been wonderful to me. He's put me over your entire, or everything in the house except for you, his wife. So how then could I do such a wicked thing? But notice that he doesn't say and sin against your husband. He says, how can I then do such a wicked thing and sin against God? We must maintain godly integrity at all times. Now it's hard. There are many temptations that come in the world. There are many things that entice us to turn away from God. But we as believers, we as the chosen people of God, we as the royal priesthood of God, we as those who are God's prized possession must always remember that integrity must be first. She spoke to David, Joseph day after day, and he refused to go to bed with her he refused to lie. He even refused, tried to hide from her. Why? Because he needed to maintain his integrity. On your job, you need to be a person of integrity. At home, you need to be a person of integrity. At school, we need to be a person of integrity. At the grocery market, we need to be people of integrity. We should never, ever be tempted to cut corners and use shady hookups. If Joseph had laid with her, that was a shady hookup. I don't mean to be crude, but in, in, in the vernacular of the young people, that was a booty call. Joseph says, no, because what I understand is that when I violate you, or if I violate you, or if I, if I am dishonorable to your husband, I'm not disrespecting him. I'm not disrespecting her. I'm not even disrespecting myself. I have sinned against my God. And we as believers must keep that at the forefront of our minds. Certainly we're going to fall. Certainly we're going to make mistakes. But let's not do it intentionally. God is merciful and God is gracious. 
But the scripture also says to us, if we willfully commit sin, there is no more sacrifice for us. And if you study the scripture, the word commit means to practice. All of us sin. All of us make mistakes. All of us fall. All sin and come short of the glory of God. But it must not be a willful commission of sin. It must not be a practice of sin. We can trust God and we can keep our integrity with God and we can continue to obey God because we remember that God does not lie and he does not default on his promises. The scripture says that which God promised us, he's also able to perform. If God promised you, he'll perform it in your life. Numbers chapter 23, I'm almost done. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. Another one of my favorite scriptures. So we remember that God doesn't lie. We remember that God keeps his promises. We remember that the word of God does not come back void to him, but that it prospers in that thing wherein he sent it. But Numbers 23 and 19 explains this to us. God is not a man that he should lie. Nor is he the son of man that he ever have need to repent. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? The scripture is clear. We can trust God because he's not a human. Now, as I look around this room today, I can see that all of you are faithful human beings. I can see that none of you have ever broken a promise. None of you have ever said, okay, Joe, I'm going to pick you up, and then decide, I don't want to pick you up. Okay, Frank, I'm going to help you move. And then he's like, mm, I really don't feel like moving. I don't know why I talked about that, because a true friend, if you want to know if you really have a true friend, ask him to help you move. I am not a true friend. I know myself. Don't ask me. I would rather give you $100 to hire somebody to help you move. But a true friend is a person who will help you move, and you live on the fifth floor and the elevator's broken. That's a true friend. That friend says, we can do this. That's not Dr. Cruz. But God is not a man, and he does not lie. If God says it, he will perform it. Finally. God is the only one who really knows when you're ready for your calling. He is the only one who truly knows when you're ready to walk in your calling. Ask yourself this question. Why didn't God choose one of Joseph's brothers? Why didn't God pick one of them? Why? Because he knew their hearts. What kind of brother wants to throw another brother in the pit? Now, unfortunately for me, I, didn't, I, I have seven, seven brothers and three sisters. But we didn't grow up in the same household. So I, I basically grew up as an only child. That's why I'm spoiled. All right? I'll be honest with you. But, but I have friends who grew up in the house with their siblings. And siblings have rivals. They fight, they argue, they fuss. But true siblings, those who love them, they will do anything for their 
brothers and for their sisters. Even if one brother is, is really good at something or sister's great at something, they want to encourage them. They want to help them. They want to be a part of that. But God was able to look into the hearts of Joseph's brothers and see that they had evil hearts. So God did not choose them because of their hearts. God understood that they would not obey him. God understood that they would not hold fast to their integrity. integrity. And we can see it. If you know the story of Joseph, even before they tried to kill Joseph, they lied to their father. They were out in the field, and they took one of the sheep, and they slaughtered it to eat because they were hungry. But they weren't supposed to do that. And then they made up a lie to tell their father that some animal had torn the sheep apart. So God was able to see that their hearts were not hearts of integrity, were not hearts of character. So God didn't choose them. We cannot fool God. We can't fool God. He, listen to me. He will not trust you and he will not trust me with the things that he has for us until he knows that our character can carry the load. I, taught, I teach that to my children. I teach that to my classes at Western Christian. I tell them, I don't care what calling is on your life. I don't care how anointed you are and how special you are and, and all the gifts that God has given you. God will not release you to leadership until your character can carry the load. Oh, I want to be, on the, I want to be in the choir. Your character is not a choir character. I want to be on the ministerial staff. Your character is not ready. I want to be a youth teacher. Your character is not ready. You have the gifting. Everybody, man, she, she's gifted in that. Man, he's gifted in that. Man, he has, a, he has an aptitude for this. Why doesn't you read? Because his character is not ready. God will never release you to leadership, to your appointed responsibilities until he looks into your heart and sees that you're care. God was able to release Joseph into his ministry, able to release him into his giftings because God was able to look into Joseph's heart and see that no matter the circumstances, no matter the difficulty, Joseph would remain close and obedient to God. And because Joseph did, ultimately God exalted him to the second position in all of Egypt, which ultimately saved not just Egypt, but his family and many other cultures around. When we yield to God and when we're obedient to God and we trust God and we keep our character and our integrity, we see from the life of Joseph that God will elevate you. God will take you to those places where he has ordained for you to be, but not until your character is ready. And many times we, we put that on our children. But what about you? As an adult, as a senior, when you look in the mirror, can you see a person of character and integrity? Or do you see a person that when difficulty comes or when challenges come that you'll take the shortcut? You'll cut the corner. We cannot fool God. 
he will not trust us with things that he knows our character cannot carry. Maybe you're asking yourself today, how come God isn't elevating me? How come I'm not getting promoted on my job? Why am, in, why am I in such financial strain? Maybe it's time to examine your character. Because the one thing that I know is already true. You're chosen by God. The other thing I know is that you're a royal priesthood. The third thing I know is that you're God's prized possession. But like any good father, I'll not give you the keys to the car until you know the rules of driving, until you've shown yourself that you can be responsible, until you've proven to me that your character and your integrity are such that I can trust you with the car. God will not release you to the plans that he has for you, to the dreams that are in your life until your character can. Joseph's character carried him from the pit to Potiphar's house to the prison and then ultimately to the top of the Egyptian hierarchy. Last thing. Through 23 years in Egypt, before his brothers came, Joseph kept the faith and trusted God. Let's pray. Dear God, our Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. We thank you and praise you for the examples that you give us in the scriptures. Certainly you tell us that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people unto yourself a prized possession to you. Joseph is an example to us of how difficult it is. It, you give us these callings. You give us, Lord God, these gifts. But there is a price to pay. But nevertheless, Lord, you've also given us your spirit by which we can discern and know what is the right thing to do. I ask you in the name of Jesus today that these who are gathered in this place under your watchful eye, that you would continue to minister to every heart on every level, that you would continue to encourage and build us up in our most holy faith. Those of us that are struggling now, would you remind us that we are chosen? Remind us, Lord God, that we are royal priests. Remind us that we are a special possession of your own that we might be encouraged to maintain our integrity always and to trust you even in the most dire situations because you're not a man that you should lie, nor are you the son of man that you ever have need to repent. If you said it, it will happen. We give you glory, honor, and praise now and forever in Christ Jesus' name. And everybody that loves God said, amen. amen. Thank you so much.